Hi, this is your host Corbin, and this is your guide for Steven Lisberger's Tron. Before we get into the making of the film, allow me to take you back to 1982 to remember the top movies released that year. They were The Thing, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, King of Comedy, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Tootsie, The Dark Crystal, Friday the 13th Part 3, Gandhi, Conan the Barbarian, and Annie. From that year, we have reviewed Blade Runner, First Blood, Poltergeist, Halloween 3, Rocky 3, Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan, and Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Links to those reviews are in the show notes below. If you would like to reminisce more about the films of 82, then head over to letterbox.com. Make sure to follow me and Alan over there. Links to our profiles are below. At the 54th Academy Awards, Best Picture went to Chariots of Fire. The idea for Tron hit Lisberger back in 1976, when he saw the video game Pong for the first time. In Richard Patterson's article in the American Cinematographer magazine, Lisberger said, I realized that there were these techniques that would be very suitable for bringing video games and computer visuals to the screen, and that was the moment that the whole concept flashed across my mind. He created an early concept of Tron using backlit cell animation. That Tron didn't quite resemble the one in the final product. This Tron was more so a bodybuilder, looked more like a fighter, but nevertheless, that original concept is out there. It was on my Blu-ray copy. It's very interesting to check out. And this Tron did have two discs, which is something we will be talking about in Tron Legacy next week. It wasn't until computer scientist Alan Kay saw Variety's article on the Tron project that he reached out to convince Lisberger to consult a computer advisor and use real computer graphics instead of cell animation. Writer Bonnie McBird based Bruce Broxleitner's character, Alan Bradley, and also Tron, on none other than Alan Kay. Surprisingly enough, we almost didn't have Broxleitner as Tron. He originally turned down the role, but eventually came around to it. Jeff Bridges, on the other hand, thought the script was far out and was immediately ready to sign on. The only problem to make a movie realistically depicting a computer-generated world, they needed some serious money. At first, Information International Incorporated, otherwise known as Triple I, a computer company funded the project, but once production stalled, the group took their idea to Disney after being turned down by every other major studio. Disney executives were trepidatious, to say the least, giving over $10 million to a first-time producer and director who planned on using brand new visual effect techniques. Once Disney saw a demo of the flying disc scene, they backed the project, but not without some internal suspicion towards these outsiders. At the time, computers could not create animation, so the frames were made one by one. Computers also had 2 megabytes of memory and 330 megabytes of storage, hence the painstakingly difficult task of figuring out how to blend live action with what would become to no be known as CGI. In fact, these completely digital frames couldn't be printed onto film, so they had to place a camera up to the computer screen to capture each individual frame. For more information on the making of Tron, the Blu-ray and DVD set feature over 5 hours that go very much in-depth into the making of the film. Also, Wikipedia's article is a factual rundown of what happened as well if you're looking for a free source. 
Figuring they had a groundbreaking hit on their hands, Disney merchandised the heck out of Tron and even bumped up its release date from December to July in order to compete head-to-head with The Secrets of Nim, which ended up not doing near as well as Tron. The larger, far-reaching impact is that people became computer programmers and visual effects designers and created new avenues of storytelling because of Tron. It really did become a cultural phenomenon after a mediocre box office run, which I'll talk about here in a minute. Tron did receive two Academy Award nominations, Best Costume Design, it lost to Gandhi, and Best Sound Design, it lost to E.T. Lisberger said they didn't get nominated for visual effects because the Academy said they cheated by using computers. So Tron was released July 9th, 1982, with an opening weekend gross of $4.7 million. It did have a budget of $17 million. Ultimately, that budget did go up higher than the $10 million originally proposed. It did come in second place at the box office. It was beat out by none other than Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial, which was in its fifth week but still holding strong at number one. That movie stayed number one for months. It was crazy. But the top five was E.T., Tron at number two, Rocky Three at number three, Firefox at number four, and Poltergeist, another Steven Spielberg-produced film at number five. Tron would never reach number one at the box office. In its second week, it dropped to number four. In its third week, number seven. In its fourth week, at 14. And then it just went down from there. Ultimately, Tron would go on to gross $33 million domestically and around $33 million worldwide. Now, that is still a profit, but when you factor in marketing costs, merchandising costs, everything else, Tron was not very profitable, I would say. But what did critics and audiences think of it? Well, at the time, well, across the board, the scores are fine to pretty good. It has a letterbox rating of 3.2, which is fine. An IMDb rating of 6.8, which isn't much to write home about. I'm a little surprised this now quote classic doesn't have a little bit higher. I would think it had it would have at least a seven, but no luck. A Metascore at 58, receiving generally mixed reviews. It does have a 72% certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That 72% is still a good score, but not overwhelming, with an audience score of 69%. So you can see across the board people like this a majority of people like this movie it's just not an overwhelming endorsement thank you listeners for coming along with me as i've been your guide to the production and impact of this film now that you have your guide to tron make sure to subscribe to the podcast for my full review coming next monday and tune in the week after as i return to the grid in tron legacy The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show.
No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.